What is up, my friends? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Coworking Weekly Show. As always, I'm your host, Alex Hillman, and new listeners, I'm super, super stoked that you found the show. Thanks for joining us. This is a show where people like you and me, people who want to build amazing, thriving communities, put our heads together and up our community building game. And for those of you loyal listeners who are coming back again and again, thank you so much for giving me some of your time for sharing your day with me, whether you're in the gym or in your commute, wherever it is you listen to the show. I just love that I get to spend part of my day with you. And a special thanks to those of you who have been sharing the show because recently episode 46 the how to build a network episode uh that became our most downloaded episode to date like record-breaking totally awesome and that's because of you guys so uh if you haven't listened to that episode yet obviously you should go listen to it because people think it's awesome uh and for those of you who have shared that thank you thank you thank you uh you're the best you're the best. Um, today, we're diving into the second part of our Coworking Europe post-conference recap, uh, something I did with my Indie Hall teammate here, Sam Abrams. Uh, if I can sum up today's episode, part two, with something Sam said, it's that you learn community building skills in the same way that you learn to play a sport or an instrument. And that's with practice. That's what today's episode is all about, the practice of community building. Because Sam approaches practice in a pretty interesting way. And it's using some skills that she has from a different part of her world, um, something that she does, does during her nights and weekends. And that is that Sam is an improviser. She's an improv performer. Improv isn't just jokes. Like, I don't know if you've seen Whose Line Is It Anyway. It is a style of theater where everything is made up on the spot. Sam uses her improv skills not just on stage in front of an audience, but every single day here at Indie Hall to build our community stronger, to connect with new members on tours, and to problem solve her way through the day. And the thing about improv is that in a lot of ways, it's a team sport, which when you're looking at it from the outside, isn't obvious at all. But the way Sam has explained it, it's really helped me understand the details and dynamics of what's happening on stage and how people actually come together to create something. That should sound familiar. Because the other thing that's interesting about improv performers is that they have to practice in order to be good at it. And think about that for a second. How do you practice something that is unpredictable and completely made up on the spot? Something that is completely dynamic and you don't know what's going to happen the next moment. Well, you could ask that question of an improv performer like Sam, but you could also ask that question of someone whose job it is like yours and mine, people whose job it is to build a community. We've been excited to put together a brand new workshop for a while, and the Coworking Europe conference gave us the opportunity to do that. We built something brand new on Sam's skills, the things that she knows, the ways that she teaches improv to other people, which includes little kids, which is pretty awesome. And if little kids can learn how to do it, so can you. In this workshop, we got to teach an audience of like 100, 150 people or so some of those practicable skills and you're going to be able to listen in today to find out the connections between performing improv comedy or improv in general and successfully interacting with the people in your community. There's a super, super easy takeaway from this episode, something you can actually go home and try. The game that we played with the audience, you can try with your team, you can try with your members, you can try it in conversations, you can try it in line at the grocery store. You can really, you can, you can use it anywhere. So this episode contains a lot about how to learn and how to get better at the kind of work that we do. My only request is that you stick with us to the end of the episode and pick one thing that we talked about, either in part one or part two, that you're going to take back to your community, to your co-working space, wherever you might be, and actually apply it. Because I want you to try it, I want you to apply it, and I want you to tell me how it went. 
I'm going to be back at the end of this episode with a little peek ahead at some of the things that we're working on for the Coworking Weekly Show, the coming weeks, the coming months. But for now, from Sam and I, I want to thank you for listening to both parts of our Coworking Europe conference recap. Thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for taking time out of your day. Again, wherever it is that you listen to the show, it means a whole lot that we get to spend some of your day together. I hope you enjoy this episode. I hope you take away a lot, and I hope you have an awesome week. Should we get to third day? Yeah, let's do it. We're, we're going a little <laughs> bit long on this one, but hopefully this has been, been super useful. So we'll allow ourselves to go long and we'll talk briefly about how we approach day three uh, and wrap things up. Because basically day three for us was our workshop. We didn't go on the, the walking tours. Um, I'm super curious about what people thought about those and what sorts of critical thinking they got to do, seeing all kinds of different places. So our workshop was, uh, we, we had two hours in the morning I, as far as I know, that is something that you that happens every co-working Europe. It's a bit become a bit of a tradition. Um, Jean-Yves has been been generous to extend us that block of time. Adam and I, for the last few years, have done the workshop, and we've experimented with a bunch of different uses of that time. Uh, for the first couple of years, we did sort of prepared slide content, more like a like actually a workshop. There was still interaction, but it was uh, we we had a. Um, we had a concept that we wanted to get across and I feel right. like we, it was a little more lecture than workshop. And we also learned every year that when we get to Q and a, that's when the really good stuff happens anyway. So uh, last year when we were in Milan, we decided to flip it around and not only did we not prepare much of a workshop, we did a little bit of storytelling. We were actually sharing a bit of our current sort of state of the union with Indie Hall's move and using it as a snapshot of sort of how to think about problem solving with your community. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the theme was how to solve problems with your community. And we did that for maybe 30 minutes and then used the other hour and a half for Q&A. So we did sort of a Q&A marathon. Yeah. And it was awesome. We covered all kinds of interesting territory. And the best part about that was we got to answer questions that people actually had on their minds. We're on day three. People have had two full days and then nights of, you know, drinking and partying. And here's another thing about co-working conferences is, and, and I've been to enough other industry conferences that most of the time when the talks are done, people go to the bar and they talk about other things besides work. That's not true in the world of co-working. People yeah. don't stop talking about co-working stuff or even like co-working adjacent stuff. It's like you can't, we, we don't shut up about it. So you've had two full days of that and then you get up in the morning maybe with a little bit of a hangover and you come to one of these workshops and this is the first time sam and i have gotten to do one of these together uh and sam has some special skills that i wanted to bring to the forefront and see what we could do with them what what we could make shine can I backtrack to the parties for a second just for one second absolutely uh one other note is that both of the parties we went to very loud music so the second one, it was so loud that literally everybody went outside the door of the venue to talk to each other. So just a note, just like we built in hallway time for pause and just like you don't need to program a huge, long conference with chock full of speakers and you want to have that talking time. Also think about a party can still be a party with lower music, with chiller music, with maybe an area with loud music and an area with quieter music where you don't have to be outside in the Brussels cold. Just a thought. So um, our workshop, switching gears back to that. Um, So I am an improviser. I'm a comedian. Um, 
I think I said that to somebody at the conference and they went, are you joking? And it took me like a full day to realize that that was a joke. Um, <laughs> gotta love language differences. Um, <laughs> Cause I just didn't pick up on it. That's amazing. So I am an oblivious, no, not always oblivious improviser. And to give a little bit of background, improv is the way I do it. It is putting together a play off the top of your head with a team. It is a team sport. I use the term sport very lightly. If you met a lot of my peers, um, we're not sporty folks, but, um, while stand up is you telling your story or you telling jokes by yourself, improv works because you have a team of people that are going to support you, that are going to listen to your ideas, agree with them, build on them and make you look good. And, I got this job at Indie Hall through improv, through Neil, who I can see from where we're sitting, who is a member of one of my improv teams, now two of my improv teams. And when I was looking for work, he said, oh, I have something for you. And when I came in for my interview, you and Adam had already seen one of our shows and been like, oh, yeah, we like you. And I was totally baffled because as a early 20-something, I was like, this is not how the world is supposed to work. <laughs> I have to impress them with my resume. But anyway, um, and I still do improv. I teach as well as perform, and I just started directing this year as well. Um, and there, we know just from me being here, just from working here every day, that there are so many ways that my improv skills have built upon working here and how I take care of the community and how I connect to people and how I tumble. So I did a talk at pause that was briefer, but this is the first time it was like, let's, let's pair this one to one. How does this skill help with this thing? Let's really break it down. And one of the things that was useful for me on the first day was I started getting ideas and writing them down in my notebook rather than notes on the talk, but notes of, oh, I'm missing something from this talk. Here's something I do. This is something like I do on stage. Oh, my gosh. So we had, uh, by the time I was done making notes, we were at a, a bar that smelled like farts bef the night before. <laughs> it's the only reason I'll remember it is it had, like, very interesting decor and it smelled like farts. And... I said, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. And by that point, I had maybe six points that I wanted to hit. And then we could tell stories and elaborate on and ask each other questions about. Um, and then we did a Q&A at the end. So um, it was so cool. <laughs> like just just to, to overarching, it was amazing to be able to speak to an audience I don't speak to every day. Um the and by that you mean an audience of your peers basically professional so, peers so so our members some of them know that i do improv because i talk about it all the time some of them do improv because of course when you have a community and you have another community they start to mix um especially if you know neil bardham he is the <laughs> master of t he's a tumbling master he, he really is, is a tumbling genius and improv because it is based on teams is a huge community the same way that indie hall is a community there are so many parallels it's ridiculous um, which also is interesting because then you see where some things have things that others don't or there's different leadership decisions. You could say, oh, cool, I could see how this would have gone this way or another. Um, but being able to start from the very basics of, hold on, let's pause, and does everybody know what we're talking about with improv, which the answer was... Not everybody knew. Not everybody knew. It felt great. It felt great. Uh, there were not a lot of preconceived notions, I think, coming from it because to be honest my preconceived notion was 
I don't know if people are going to get on board with this outside industry perspective. Yeah, and it was it was a little bit of a gamble. Uh, I feel obviously really good that we took it. Uh, I, th- I think we'll be able to build on, build on the material that we created together. Before we dig into what we actually did, I'm curious how the teaching experience of this workshop compares and contrasts to the improv teaching that you've done. <laughs> right because they're, they're they like you were teaching a th- like you, the, we built an exercise in that we'll talk about don't you don't have to get into the exercise itself we'll talk right. about that in a second but like what was the same but also what was different about the the learning environment so when i so to backtrack i do not teach adults i, de- I teach sixth through eighth graders okay so there's a difference who, uh, yes but <laughs> as far as like wanting to be there um it is a wide range. So I think the big, if, if you have a preteen in your life, you know this, uh, or if you remember being one. So um, the big difference for me is that, one, the people in the room for an improv class have shown up for an improv class. We said we were talking about community building. It was a community building workshop. I even held back from mentioning my improv background and how that's affected stuff in the unconference because it was like, I don't want to show our hand too much. I want to, I want it to be a discovery process for all of us together. So when you show up for an improv class, you then do improv, you play games, you do exercises, which with kids, of course you call games, but there are skill building exercises. And that was something that we kind of knew we weren't going to do a lot of, but with a, a little bit of trust, we could do a little bit of. So in a kid's class, like a, a workshop, uh, by the way, Philly Improv Theater offers free workshops year round for kids and adults. Uh, had to put that one in Good there. Plug. because Greg will be proud. Well, I mean, I did a lot of theater beforehand, but all of my improv experiences from being at fit at Philly Improv Theater. And we, we did an interview with Greg on this podcast, I believe. We did. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Yes. When kids show up for a class, it is we're going to play a bunch of games. And those games are going to build skills on listening, on teamwork, on yes anding, which we'll get into, or whatever, or th- even just thinking fast or recognizing patterns. But with this, it was we knew that there are going to be people who would love to get up and play a game. We know there are probably far more people who that is their worst nightmare. And uh, and I've encountered that in, in inviting people to shows of, am I going to be pulled on stage? And that's totally fair. You should have say if you're going to be asked to participate that actively. Yeah. So it was how do we design something that shows how improv connects to community building and how those skills build on each other rather than in an improv class it's all show not tell which is an improv thing and you leave those classes being like i want more i want to keep playing i love this so much i want to keep being involved in this community i have the distinct advantage of knowing that once i've built a little bit of trust with the audience that i'm comfortable and confident pushing that boundary having done the workshops in the past that i've done with adam one of the patterns that we've built in is something interactive it's in the realm of an icebreaker which to your point people generally don't like those either but some of the feedback that we've gotten is people really like our icebreaker because it's not the problem i think the reason people dislike icebreakers is because it puts the attention on them right the very specific goal of the exercises that adam and i have done and the exercise that we did in 
our workshop together is it's not about putting you in the spotlight. In fact, it's completely the opposite. It's all about being with another person for 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, which by the third day of a conference, if if you really don't want that experience, you've realized that you don't belong at this conference in the first place and you probably aren't going to come to this workshop. So we have the benefit of having a similarly self-selecting, although not as extremely self-selecting audience as your usual workshops. Speaking of preconceived notions about improv, uh, you don't have to be funny. You don't even have to be that quick-witted or clever. You all you do is respond to the other person. And so I think asking for any kind of performance would probably have been too much, but getting folks engaged with each other and giving permission to be a little bit silly and very imaginative had an amazing result. It was really cool. So why don't we, why don't we talk a little bit about what, what our goal was going into the workshop and how we actually executed it. One of the distinctions that Uh, you brought up while we were talking about the things we wanted to talk about was that I think something we take for granted in this industry is that I think there's an assumption that you should just be great at community if you do this. Or that we started out that way. Yeah. And obviously Indie Hall is successful because we know what we're doing and we knew from the very start, which is a load of crap. Yeah. And just like I said, everything is an experiment here. You learn community building skills like you learn how to play a sport or you learn to do a craft or trade or an instrument, play or an, an instrument. instrument. Yeah. yeah. You don't, nobody picks up a guitar and instantly plays Stairway to Heaven unless they're a complete and utter douchebag. Right. And it's because they're lying because right. they've, <laughs> they've practiced. Exactly. So, and improv is the same way. Even though it's completely off the top of your head, as I said, you're doing exercises that build a lot of skills that allow you to create something off the top of your head with your teammates or occasionally by yourself. There are a few people that perform solo. Um, And so looking at it from the perspective of here is how you build these skills as a practice, as a practice, as a thing that you're not going to start out good at, but here's a thing that if you do a little bit of it all the time, every day, once a day, every opportunity you get, you will get better by virtue of simply doing the practice. And I think the big thing that we hit on, and I mean, definitely something that people took away because we saw it on Twitter after we were done with notifications, is the concept of yes and in improv, which if you know anything about improv, you have heard this before, you might be rolling your eyes, but it is core of why improv works. And what that means is if I come out on stage with an idea as my teammate, you respond to the idea I've initiated with and you build on it. So it is so easy to fall into a lot of other ways of thinking. And I think we fall into patterns that are not yes and. What I liked about our our workshop was it got a little bit philosophical in this yes and philosophy. And then with the exercise and with real examples, we got it straight to here's how you actually do it. And here's how you make it a practice to be trying to yes and your members, your coworkers, your teammates, your bosses, whatever. And some specific examples of, uh, like you were just saying, where sometimes we we get lost, where we forget to do it. Some of the, the moments of weakness where a yes and would have yielded a better result. Even just what I said about doing this talk was I was yes butting myself because there's no butting, which is pretty obvious. Hey, we're on the moon. No, but we're underwater. Oh, well, all right. This is a terrible scene. Or if you're a really great improviser, you fix it, you save it. But that's no but. It's very obvious. So it's really easy to go like, oh, I'm not going to know ideas. But the subtler, trickier one is yes, but. And even what I said about this talk was a, a yes, but, which is 
are people at this conference going to want to talk about improv? Are people going to get into this? Yeah, they probably will, but I'm not sure if it's going to be enough to get up and play a game with us. Yeah, this is, it was, I was yes butting myself all the way (laughs) into the room. Um, As you can, as you know, because we had breakfast together and I was like, ooh, I'm nervous. So I use the example of event planning and we do an exercise where you go back and forth and you say, there's no budget. There's, there's no limitations at all. You're planning an event for your members and you can do literally anything. You can be on the moon. You can be underwater. You can invite Beyonce. It was the example I used, which got a response. Yeah. The only rule is your partner that you're saying an idea to has to respond with first, no, but, and you go back and forth, no, butting each other's ideas. Then uh, yes, but, and then yes. And, and in between we talk about, people's parties what have they planned what events have they planned we got to do a little prices right running up the stairs oh my god it was so fun and actually this is a really (laughs) great example of you know sort of the stages of invitation like if we had set the expectation that everybody would have to share i think people would have potentially been paralyzed by that to begin with but it was you're talking to a partner maybe a trio we had some small groups but after that we gave people the opportunity to raise their hand and share and it was a it was a subtle it was it was a gentle push and it was fun it was fun once people saw that it was fun and then it got some laughs and that we were laughing not at them but with them Mm -hmm. uh then people were more comfortable and confident sharing what they had just spent the last 90 seconds being totally silly about and something that i didn't think about was that the whole conference especially if you're really there for tactical stuff you are not thinking about sky's the limit ideas you are not getting super creative you're thinking oh what tools can i use how to how are people affording this there was i know a workshop on running the numbers and how you can i think it was how you like figure out statistics for your own space based on membership and all kinds of stuff like that which okay i guess i'm curious in but that's definitely a very logistical thinking it's sort of the controller mindset is like how do i manage how do i manipulate how do i understand not for the sake of understanding but understand to be in control and and even simpler it's just black and white that's true so what we were asking folks to do which it was really fun to watch and see the response to was be ridiculous and that's where we use was be ridiculous and it was great because you would see some of these things they shared be kind of makes sense kind of makes sense and then suddenly there would be like a snail cow or something <laughs> you know and it was it was great because um i was just so happy to see people laughing together uh which that's why you do improv is getting that kind of response and that sort of feedback from the audience but it's like getting your community together for something is what it felt like. Yeah. So we did also talk more on specifics of how when, you know, a member comes to you with a potential event, it's so easy to yes, but it's so easy to go, okay, but who's going to be there? And yeah, like that's a really cool lunch and learn idea, but we did one kind of similar to that. And uh, I don't know, or maybe we can pull this off, but I'm going to have to do a lot of work to communicate it. And there's so many places that you can fall into that trap And yes, anding, it doesn't mean you have to do every, you have to take every single offer that comes along. There are plenty of events that come to us where it's like, this might not make sense for our community. This might not make sense for this group. This might make sense tweaked in a different way. But the beauty of it is that with 
yes anding it. It's rather than, yeah, that's a cool idea, but we're not going to do it. It's yes. And I think if you pair it up with somebody from, you know, this other subgroup or this other community, or if we brought in people from an outside community, it could be really great. It's building things together so that you're also a teammate and a partner with your members coming to you with ideas. And it also, it's a great practice to put yourself in, in all different parts of your life because, uh, there are countless ways that we, yes, but ourselves. I'm super happy with how this how this workshop went. It was so fun. And it's it was simple, it was silly, and if you're you're following along, you can imagine how this room goes and people we ask people what was the difference between your no but, yes but and yes and versions and people people got it right away. People I think once you viscerally and even when you're you're making up silly nonsense, there's an ease, there's yeah. a joy, there's a confidence and a comfort. And I don't think it's got as much to do with uh, thinking more from the psychological perspective than necessarily maybe like what backs up why this works for improv is when you are comfortable and confident with your partner you're willing to go a little bit further you're willing to get a little bit wackier and i think that ties directly back into a core philosophy that we've held near and dear and true all the way through which is when you're surrounded by people that you trust and trust that they have your back you're willing to go a little bit wild, a little bit crazy to actually try something that you wouldn't have tried if you were solo. Um, and so it was fun to get people. I, again, I'm a big fan of lateral learning as in my own world. And a big part of that is because the number of people that have been running co-working spaces as long as we have that I can learn things from is pretty limited. I have to go to other adjacent industries. So I, I don't know, my, one of my sort of hidden hopes in doing things like this is it will encourage people to look beyond co-working. To, yeah. to find practices and examples and things that they can do that they can do as well to get better at. Remember, practice is the key here. No one came into that room excited to do improv. Nobody knew we were going to do improv. And I'm sure as soon as we started talking about improv, there were some people who clenched up and were like, uh-oh. Yep. I'm sure. And I, I didn't see anybody who was like visibly upset by it. But there was def- I'm sure there are people in the room who were like, I'm not really sure where they're going with this. Mm-hmm. That was kind of by design. I think by inviting people into our own practice and talking about how you've learned to apply things from improv in your world. Basically we showed a little bit of, we had to figure out how to get good at it. We had to figure out new places to learn how to get good at it. And mm-hmm. we're still not the best at it because if anything, we're, it's just that we're constantly improving. We're constantly in motion. I thought of another parallel that I just need to share is it actually reminds me of what my yoga teacher says about our practice, which he does mix it up each class. It's why I really like this class. But we do a lot of the same poses. And it's not about doing a practice the same way every single day or however often you do it. It's about finding where you are that day and fine-tuning where you need to be just to go deeper into the pose or to stretch yourself a little further than you usually would. And some days it's just doing the pose is enough. And I think... Building skills to build community is exactly the same way as that practice. It's a practice. You have the bare bones. You know what warrior one is or downward dog or whatever. Every day you have to have those fine-tuned, just those little refinements of how am I feeling today? What's the weather like today? What's the community like today? Do we have a party coming up? Do we have a town hall coming up? Was there just a general election in the United States of America? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> but but um, that just reminded me of that because I think – I think there are two things we were missing from the talk. And one is that we could have probably specifically pointed to other communities that you can learn from and grow with and 
band with and, and meet people from and yeah, all that yeah, great yeah. stuff. And the other thing is we needed to put our contact information up. That was, those were the two things I would have changed. And so that's why I wanted to share that thing from a different area of my life that just made me think about that. Yeah. I'm stoked that we now have a new, a new piece of material. We're going to be looking for more ways to share that, but also this renewed excitement going into 2017. Uh, the people at Work Summit will be coming back, be on the lookout for uh, dates around that. And we got a lot of ideas. There's a lot of ideas about how to make it better. And for those of you who are tuning in, uh, for the first time, the People at Work Summit is an all online conference. So if you've been listening to this entire conversation, jealous that you're not able to get on an airplane, a train, or drive to another city to gather with co-working people from you know, your region, we're putting together an opportunity for you to do this virtually online. We, we did this last year with a bit of hesitation, wondering, is this going to be the kind of community experience that we love about going to conferences you know it wasn't about taking an offline conference and bringing it online it was about creating those experiences that we can say well that was great or that was missing and i really wish it was there how do we how do we create that in an online gathering place and make it make a little corner of the internet our venue for for the uh, for a day or two and lots of lessons there lots of lessons learned and i'm super pumped to be putting that together in the new year and in the realm of virtual and remote membership that I'm interested in in the realm of Indie Hall, I'm also looking for more ways to talk to people and have those conversations and have conversations that go a little more in-depth and a little more tactical too. So we'll be putting together things for that in the new year as well. Related to pause, a little bit separate. 2017 is going to be a big year. I'm stoked. We're going to do some cool stuff. Woohoo. All right, Sam. I think that's a good point to wrap it up. Yeah. On a, on a very particular note, a thank you to Jean-Yves and Vanessa for continuing to put together this event, for giving us a platform, for being generous to give us the time on on day two, uh, or sorry, on day three, but really just to the the effort that goes into bringing together a collection of people is no small feat. I'm I'm super thankful that we're continually invited back. And our notes are things that we want to see improved and changed and opportunities that are missing. Like It's a really great conference that we can actually point to those things, that all of the structure is there, that all of the Um, amenities you need to be able to focus in a conference are all there that the people are there that you're getting folks to show up and connect because that was one of the best parts that's the whole point it is it is amazing you could so we're grateful to have a conference to be able to uh, gently poke at and criticize and figure out what works and what doesn't well said cool thanks for the wrap-up sam thank you All right, at the beginning of this episode, I promised you a little glimpse into the future of the Coworking Weekly Show. So rather than try and explain what we're going to do, I'm going to give you a little preview, an actual clip of an upcoming segment that we're adding to the show called Catchphrase. Let's check it out. All right, so today, the catchphrase that I want to pull up to our attention is this one. Ask the fucking members. And for those of you who don't feel like you need to swear, it could just be ask the members. Yeah. But uh, but when we're using the catchphrase, ask the fucking members, it's usually a, hey, buddy, you are stuck. You are in a rut. You are trying to figure something out on your own that you do not need to be figuring out on your own. There's a very easy solution to this. It's right under your nose. Mm-hmm. It's all around you. It's in the room. It's our fucking members. They know the answer. Yeah. So why don't you just ask them? And I think that's a part of it. Like, I know that we're not shy with blue language, but I think that is 
kind of illustrative of where we are in a thought process when we have to use that phrase, when we have to remind ourselves of what is the next best step. And it, it's in a time of exhaustion, maybe. Like, I've tried to attack this thing from all different angles. I've tried to find a solution for this puzzle in every way except the one that's important. Yeah, I think it comes in a moment of this isn't working. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. isn't working. Yeah. And, and you know, the reality is, is we work in an environment that is full of people and therefore things will go wrong. Things will be imperfect. And sometimes things just won't work. And I feel like the common thread through things that don't work most often is we've tried to create a solution or we've tried to present an idea uh, out of a vacuum mm-hmm. and without dialogue for the people who actually have something to say about it or or would even want it to begin with. And isn't that antithetical to the way that we do things at Indie Hall and the reason why we're at Indie Hall in the first place? You know, I think it is. At the same time, I want to I want to pull this apart a little bit because I think as an instruction, ask the members uh, is often either misinterpreted or misused. And we can look at this in a couple of different ways. And if you want to hear the rest of that episode, it's coming out next week. And one of the best things you can do right now is subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. You can search for Coworking Weekly or The Coworking Weekly Show. Make sure you hit subscribe and new episodes will come out for you every single week. And this next episode, I really, really am excited for you to hear because something happened on that episode that's never happened before. Adam and I were talking about a problem that we were approaching and live on the air while we were recording we came up with a solution following some of our own advice. So not just an opportunity to hear the advice we give other people, but an opportunity to hear what it sounds like when we swallow some of our own medicine. Uh, Between now and next week, I hope you have an awesome week, and I will see you next time.